The, word, the word's already ready. The truth is powerful. And God's going to speak to you specifically. So whatever it is that you're in your mind is saying, man, if I, if I could actually sit and have coffee with Jesus, because I would have coffee with him, this morning, what's that question you would say? I want to know this. The truth is coming to you today. God, we thank you. That it says that you knock and if we open the door, you'll come and sit with us. So this morning, we're expecting that. The doors are wide open to our hearts. The doors are wide open to our minds and our souls. God, that you might have free reigning access to all of us. We thank you that your word is sufficient and powerful and effective in our lives. And we thank you that we will not go out the door the same as we came in. That you would do something that empowers us and changes us for the kingdom. Bless John as he speaks the word. Just completely bless him. It says that signs and wonders will follow the preaching of the word. And so we just believe that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning morning to everybody online. We're just uh, so glad to be here today. You know, I don't know about you, but this last week was uh, a bit of a challenge for me. Uh, for one thing, that, that, as I just testified to, that, that black spot in my lung, the, the uh, whatever it is, they are not sure yet, but uh, that's made it really hard to breathe uh, in the heat. That's, I thought the cold was bad after COVID, but heat's really worse. <laughs> so that's been really hard. But there's also been some other hard stuff going on, too, besides the temperature. And uh, that's from some issues in life in general. And I had to deal with some folks and some things going on that just weren't real fun. And yet through it all, my heart just hurt for them. As God spoke to me and said, you know, see how doing things the wrong way impacts them and impacts life. How much easier for them would it be if they if they just did it the way I told them to live. 
But all I tend to get is excuses and more excuses. And the whys, it can't be. Why? It can't be. You know, I wasn't even sure what to talk about today. And that's the only thing that really kept coming back to me over and over again. Talk about the problems that we have with excuses and how they really never fix anything. So let's think about that today. How do the excuses we use in life hurt us? We might think they help us, but they really hurt us. But first, let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for those that are here and those that are watching online, those that will watch online. Lord, we just thank you that you are there with us. You're here. You know us. You love us. And you want us to grow closer to you. And so I just ask you to touch every heart today with your word. Not that I'm saying them, but that you're saying them. We just praise you for the opportunity to hear you speak to us. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, let's, let's go back to the basics then. To start off with, what is an excuse? Huh? Webster defines excuse as the attempt to justify, to make apology for, or to try to remove blame from that which we face. To forgive entirely or disregard as of trivial import, it says. To grant exemption from or release to. In other words, an excuse really attempts to make the seemingly important less important. It discounts it. Think of it, you know, like this. Well, you know, I was, I was only 10 minutes late, boss, and you know, I had to stop for coffee, and there was a line at the coffee shop. Even though that that lateness may have caused how, no, how, how many other problems in the, in the, you know, because of it. I think I can safely say that we've all used excuses from time to time for various situations. Sometimes to cover up embarrassment that we're seeing or feeling. Sometimes because we don't want to allow others to know our true feelings or our true reasons for doing things. Sometimes we might think a, an excuse might be a little more politically correct or even a little more polite or gentle to the recipient because, well, we all know that they couldn't possibly handle the truth, right? What was that old movie? You can't handle the truth. Or so we get ourselves to think. So seeing as we're here together to ponder things of God, let's, let's think about this. What does Jesus have to say about excuses? Hmm. Well, our first scripture today is from Luke 9, 51 to 53. And 51 says, When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he, Jesus, set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers ahead of him. On their way, they entered a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. But they, the Samaritans, did not receive him because his face was set towards Jerusalem. Translation, they didn't like that he was coming there not to see them, 
They didn't like it for the wrong reason. <clears throat> so they used an excuse to not receive him. Verse uh, 59 to 62 says, To another person he said, Follow me. But that person said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Others said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said, No one who puts a hand to a plow and, and looks back is fit for the kingdom. Translation, Jesus seems to be fairly clear here. If you're going to be one of his disciples, his kids, whatever you want to call it, you'd better take that seriously and live accordingly and get rid of the excuses that hinder that from happening. You know, as, as followers of Christ, as Christians, we're supposed to be living the Mark 12.30 life. Remember what that says? Mark 12.30? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that's why I've had trouble this past week, trying to live that way when most of those that I've come in contact with aren't. Remember what it says in Revelation 3.16? So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. They say God doesn't like partial or accidental or occasional Christians. Not that he can't deal with those people or touch them too, but partial Christians have a tendency to act like antibiotics do. You know what I mean with that? You see, if an antibiotic is used wrongly and not taken in its entirety or taken like it's supposed to be, it actually helps the body to build up an immunity to the antibiotic so that it just doesn't work anymore. At least not like it's supposed to work. It becomes ineffective at stopping disease. Unfortunately, what seems to be happening a lot in America today is that people have a little bit of religion take it here and there. And I think it's enough. Well, they really need a whole lot more. On a much more regular basis. Especially to remain effective and pushing forward in our faith and in our spiritual lives to keep the disease of Satan and death from infecting us. Here's some staggering figures I, I found today. Did you know that in the latest Gallup poll, it was done just a couple weeks ago, from June, belief in God has dipped to 81% in America today, down 6% from 2017, and the lowest since the poll first started asking the question in 1944. After World War II, an overwhelming 98% of U.S. adults said they believed in God. That began to fall by 2011 when the figure dropped to 92%, and again in 2013 when only 87% said they believed. Professor of political science at Eastern Illinois University Ryan Berge said that 
Typically, belief is the last thing to go. First, they stop attending, then they stop affiliating, and then they stop believing. Not surprisingly, they also found that belief in God has fallen most among younger Americans. Only 68% of adults aged 18 to 29 said they believed in God, compared to 87% of those 65 and older. Paul also found out that belief in God is higher among married people compared with non-married. Women, as opposed to men, and those who did not go to college versus college graduates. The most striking differences were in political ideology. Belief in God is correlated more closely with conservatism in the U.S., and as that gasp widens, it may be a contributor to growing polarization, it said. The poll found that 72% of self-defined Democrats said they believed in God, compared to 92% of Republicans, with many of those not identifying as Christians anymore, proclaiming that they are atheists. And therein lies the slippery slope, the dance, if you will, that Paul talked about way back in his time. Remember what he said in Galatians 5.1 and then 5, 13, 14. 5, 1. For, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit to a yoke of slavery. This world has a real yoke of slavery designed for its people in many instances. And that's for those not in power positions. Verse 13 goes on to say, For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 16 and following says, Live by the Spirit, I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the Spirit, and what the Spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For those are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you want. Notice here what's really important. The spirit, not the flesh. 18 says, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not subject to the law. This is wild. 19 says, now the works of the flesh are obvious. Fornication. Impurity, licentiousness. How many of you ever looked that word up? I, I, I just that just grabbed me this time. Licentiousness. You know what that means? It's a fancy word that means a disregard of accepted moral rules, values, and standards. Lack of moral restraint, usually in a sexual context. Hmm. Kind of, kind of sounds like a statement on Roe versus Wade, don't you think? Verse twenty. Idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I am warning you as I warned you before. Those who do such things, hear this. Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul was dealing with this already back then. Huh. 
will not inherit the kingdom of God. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. And listen to this, verse 24. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. And that's when I put, put it together as to why I was having such a hard time this week. And why I was having a hard time writing this message. I mean, all you have to do is watch one nightly news broadcast and you'll see it. It's all about the physical and nothing about the spiritual. From trying to redefine the Lord's creation into 57 different genders to paying constant attention to the billionaire tech gurus that are telling the world what's right and what's not, what's truth and what is disinformation, to demanding that the government play the game of life the way that they want it played, with anything less being considered illegitimate and okay to, as was said by Antifa, burn it down to the ground as they threaten the Supreme Court. I read one report from a feminist who finally put the unsaid words that I've just wondered about on the papers as she said, how can we be so sentimentally and illogically moved into believing that a gestational fetus is actually a life? To have an abortion is the same as plucking a flower. Both create a situation where the final creation is simply stopped. No big deal. Stop getting so ooey-gooey sentimental over it. Therein lies the issue. Because God himself has told us just how much he loves us and how much value we have in him. And yet the growing idea taking hold of a lot of society today is that this whole thing of faith in God, right and wrong, the spirit ruling the flesh, is all a bunch of hogwash and sentimental drivel. That's how they can be, as far as I can see, so cold and lifeless about such critical issues. The enemy has gotten a hold of them and convinced them that not only is God unreal, but so is Satan. And this virtually makes everything okay. No morals, no right or wrong, no accountability in the end. Only the constant search for pleasure and satisfaction. Not much more expectation than for a wild dog. That's why the physical, all this physical stuff like climate change is taking over the spiritual matters like helping others to learn of the infinite love of the one true God who lived and died and rose again to give us new and eternal life in him both now and forever. Some of our own Congress people have actually said that climate change is an existential matter. In other words, our very existence will hinge on whether or not we get a handle on our climate which means a whole lot of crazy things that, that may happen on the way. They're talking, you know, talking about all electric vehicles 
or no more eating of real animal protein, but just lab-created fake meat. Oh, that's a new one of Bill Gates's. To active, active euthanasia for any reason, to anybody at any time. To total government takeover of all of our possessions, our money, our land, as they give you what they think you deserve, as long as you keep that God talk away. To put it plainly, they're worried about the physically, physical, when hopefully we're working extra hard on the spiritual as we let God take care of our existence. And who better to take care of it than the one who created it in the first place? So as I, I wrestled with this, one question kept coming to mind, that being, how did we get to this point in the first place? How has our country turned over to such wicked ways in such a seemingly short period of time? And the only conclusion I could come up with is, we let it happen. You and I, and those who came before us, let it happen. In reality, there's been a lot of sloppy faith going on for a long, long time. Remember what Proverbs 22.6 says? Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. Translation, kids learn from what they see. And if what they hear isn't the same thing as what they see, then what they see will become the truth that they essentially hang their spiritual hats on, good, bad, or otherwise. They're taught to follow their parents and their parents' leads, and that's what they're doing. I had one such case uh, that I ran into recently. A younger man who's been with his girl for 14 years, only the last one year being married, wanted to talk to me in depth the other day. Seems that at this point in their married life, his wife wanted to do some very different stuff with their marriage. Stuff that's very not good. And she wanted him to go along with it. At the thought of this possibility, he was definitely not okay. He couldn't and shouldn't go along with such deviant behavior. So I asked him, okay, after 13 years of living together, why did you finally decide to get married? To which he stated, well, she brought it up. And second, I thought it would just solidify that we were there for each other. So I got bold and I asked him, and where was God in all of this decision-making? He kind of shrugged his shoulders and said, well, nowhere really, I guess. And I said, and now you want a moral and godly result and answer when the foundation that you've installed is anything goes? Really? How does that work? You set the ground rules yourself, and now you're surprised when this bad stuff happens? So we talked a good long time and he listened to ideas about faith and God and God's love. Ideas he really hadn't put together, hadn't thought of. Will he be changed? For good? I, I don't know. God's still working on him. I hope so. All I know is that I can and I have to plant seeds. 
spiritual seeds. Seeds that grow only with God's power and might. These spiritual seeds can do so much more than we can ever do by ourselves. And here's a little fun point. That's what each of us is here to do too. Our job is not to be passive Christians. Our job is to keep things on track as much as we're able to. You know, your kids have an influencer. It's called you. Your grandkids have influencers. It's called you. Even your neighbors have you as an influencer. The truth is you may be some of the only viable hands and feet of Christ that some person may ever experience or see. There is no excuse that you can make that takes this responsibility away. You can't even put the responsibility of it not happening on someone else. It's up to you to be the change that needs to happen. I saw something quite interesting just yesterday. It was a liberal writer blaming the over, overturning of Roe as being the fault of ex-Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Now mind you, she's been dead for over two years now. But the underlying liberal thinking is that she didn't retire early enough for Obama to appoint her replacement when he was in office. So it was really her fault that this happened. You know, that, that's the way that the liberal world works. They eat their own. Everything is based on the physical and then blamed on someone else when it goes against the current liberal think, if possible. What this means is excuses and more excuses over and over again, especially when there is nowhere to hang your beliefs on, your faith on, no moral stronghold, no definite right or wrong, because the one who created the whole world in the first place, God, is left out of the equation, the conversation, and not referenced at all. That's why when asked for a definition, <laughs> oh, this got me, when asked for a definition of what a woman was, the last Supreme Court justice candidate couldn't even give an answer or say it out loud because that definition isn't a sure thing anymore. At least not to the vocal minority who want to be in charge of our minds and our hearts and our spirits. They want to be in charge of us, of the whole package, when they won't even acknowledge that that biggest part of us, that spiritual element of us exists much less that God created it. And when that doesn't work, they bring out excuses and more excuses to why society is failing. Excuses that just don't cut it, you know. Guns are the problem. Putin's the problem. Oil companies are the problem. Republicans are the problem. And ultimately, Christians are the problem. The matter is, though, and the good news is that God knows the truth from the excuses. In all matters. And he's given us the ability to know that truth too. And that truth is called Jesus. To all the world's problems, he is the answer. He was there in the beginning and will be there in the end to welcome the faithful home forever with him when this life is done. 
That is not an existential problem. In fact, through Jesus, my existence, your existence, is guaranteed forever with him. How about that? Isn't that awesome? That's so cool. Face it, humanity often worries about things that are just plain dumb. And they don't worry about things that are vitally crucial. Fortunately, we've been given a heads up to do things differently. Better. The right way. Not just for today, but for eternity. I love Daniel 3, 16 to 18, where it tells us about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and how they defied King Nebuchadnezzar when he wanted them to bow to the golden image that he had made and worship him as the all-powerful God. Do you remember what they said to him? Verse 16 and following says, O King Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. Now that's, that's an awesome statement. But then they, they go on and say, but if not, even worst case scenario, if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. That's defiance. And the king threw them into the furnace only to see God intervene and keep them safe. And it was only then that the king finally yielded. Did you hear that? There were no excuses from Shadrach, Meshach, or Abednego. No spiritual doubts as to who was in charge only the trusting spiritual certainty of knowing God and fully getting who he is and what he can and will do and never yielding to anybody except him. The thing that is, it's up to us to be the current day Shadrach, Meshachs, and Abednegoes, putting forth the one true God regardless of everything else, regardless of modern liberal think, political aff affiliation, or peer pressure. We have what we need to make the best decisions in life. We have the assurance and the love of the Lord God Almighty, the King of all creation, who sent his son Jesus here for us to live and die and rise again for us so that our current and eternal lives will be forever changed for the better when we give our hearts and our lives to him in all that we say and do and in all that we are. Let me ask you this. Who are you? And whose are you? And most importantly, who is the one true God to you? Is he the one who rules your life and moves you to action? In the physical, because of the spiritual? In all things? Or are you, are you one who always yields to modern ideas and current trends? Especially the ones that want to redefine what God has created and told us to be, you know, truth. Like genders and the value of life and the importance of purity and chastity and the crucial truth of seeking God first. 
Or do we simply sit back and let life happen and then give useless, useless excuses as to why we can't get involved and why things are getting worse? Because, well, you know what? That's not my problem or our fault. We're just the victims of this troubled world. Not! I have to tell you, yes, it is our fault. When we don't do what we've been created to do, when we don't or won't hear God calling to us, when we yield to life and society first, and God is basically, you can call him a Sunday inconvenience, then yes, we are the problem. And we have no one to blame but ourselves. The truth is that in order to keep him relevant and important in society today, just like in ancient times when the king got too big for his britches, God wants all of us to make the difference, to be the difference that Jesus wants us to make and be. Here and now, in all situations, everything we find ourselves in the middle of, he wants us to be that difference. No excuses. But can we do that? Will we do that? Are you tired enough of being told to bow to a stupid golden image of how society thinks life should be? Or will you stand up and say, nope, not anymore. Not me. In fact, let me tell you, let me tell you about the one who gives me the strength and the wherewithal to say this out loud. Let me tell you about Jesus, my friend, my Lord, my Savior, the one who did everything so that we'd have the chance to know God and love him and be with him both now and forever. That's how the world is really going to change. Not through climate activism or new age gender bending, but through spiritual witness and the power of the Almighty God. No excuse is given and none accepted. Right? So be it. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Pray with me. Lord, I thank you so much that you have given us all the power we need, that you have enabled us to live a life that is overwhelmingly wonderful because of what you've already done for us through Jesus, that these, these societal matters aren't nearly as big as you are. And so we just come to you just thanking you for what you're doing to help us to be all that you created us to be. Lord, I thank you that you want so much from us and that you love us so much and will enable us to do whatever you set us to do. Thank you, Lord, for, for your wisdom, for your power, and for the love that you've shown us through Jesus. And now, Lord, if there's anybody here who, who has never accepted you, we just ask that you would touch their heart even further, that they would come before this gathering and before you and express the desires of their heart. That they want to give whatever they can to you because you've given everything to them. Thank you, Lord, for giving us this opportunity to come to you. We just ask you to let it happen. 
Make it happen, Lord. For we truly love you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.